there's always a harmony, right? And I want to sort of introduce people to more humans like you who are definitely also in the category of like thought leader. It's just not what you do as an industry. It's not what you do sure. as a business. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely some really interesting things that you've been doing and applying in your business. And the number one thing I want to get into is that you have officially created a highly successful lifestyle business, very different than everyone else that I know. I've actually never met anyone that has successfully created what you've created now. Hmm. And not to mention your other business, sure. like the touring business, definitely, right? Yeah, yeah. So you take college teams and high school teams, you know, overseas mm -hmm. and book out all the different hotels and venues for them so that they can do their tours. Yeah. That's like, there can't be that many of those businesses, right? No. So yeah, there's not a few. There's only have, like three or four. Yeah, yeah. So you just happen to be one of those. Mm. And that's a super unique and interesting thing, which gave you a lot of knowledge on this whole points game, travel game, how to optimize all of that, of course, because if you're doing it with 40, 50, 60, 100 people at a time, that becomes really relevant yeah, and extremely impactful in the mm -hmm. budget, right? And so now you've created this business, right? And you hosted an event at VUCA mm -hmm. and apparently 100 people showed up yeah. because we yeah. all want to know this information. Now, what would you what would you summarize this current existence of this business? What, how would you describe that? Yeah, I mean, what we're doing in the in the service side of like the business is really just helping business owners primarily, but really applies for anybody, take the money they're already spending and maximize the ability to travel the world in the most luxurious ways possible, get the most epic experiences and adventures, but doing it on point. So what that really does though, is it allows people to have the reason, justification and the tools to do the bucket list type travel or even just the normal travel they wanna do without having to pay for it. And so oftentimes, you know, business owners or really any entrepreneurs looking at things from like a, a time ROI and cost benefit analysis and all this stuff, very logical thinking. And so it can be hard to justify going to the Maldives for a week, but when it's entirely on points, it's just giving you enough over the edge to be like, dude, I can do this $20,000 trip. It's just cost me 500 bucks. Like I need to do this. Right. So that's kind of the ethos of it. But ultimately what we're doing is we're playing the points game. So it's travel hacking. Um, it's kind of like Tim Ferriss ish, right? It's like, reverse engineer what are the things that you want this is kind of how i got into it right part of it what do you actually want like what's the travel lifestyle that you want and then if you start to look at the point side it's like how can you maximize points that you're going to get from money that you're already spending and if you play that game effectively enough you can get a crazy amount of travel so that's a little bit about what it what it does so we're going to dig into some of the technical side of that but before we get to the technical side of of your expertise and and me pulling out all the things that are going to help me personally I kind of want to riff back and forth and, and figure out like there had to be quite a bit of imposter syndrome as you were getting into this. Like no, very few people wake up in the morning and are like, I'm going to build a credit card points business. Right. Cause there's lots of like, you can Google that, Yeah. you know, and there's mm -hmm. lots of things, but it's man, it's a disaster when you Google it. There's yeah. just so many resources mm -hmm. and oftentimes they're saying different things and it just gets really confusing really fast. So mm -hmm. I completely see the opportunity in a market for someone guiding us through that process because as many points as I've accumulated over the years and as much travel as I've done, I've never optimized anything in that world because yeah. it's just it's overwhelming immediately yeah, yeah right? it is it totally is it's so complex even mm -hmm. today i was like i was going to go book a flight and i have a ton of amex points and i just clicked on i'm like man this three seconds in i was like i'm done i'm done <laughs> like i just have to tab out i just yeah it's just, well and that's so many things it's honestly that's smart though i mean like you got to look at the return on investment from cash perspective or from your time your energy your focus and it's like do you really want to put your energy into something that's draining, time consuming, the ROI isn't that high if you don't know what you're doing. And then all of a sudden you spent an hour to two hours trying to do something, you're not even sure if you did it right. The opportunity to do it right is there, but if you don't know what you're doing, it's like, just don't, it's better not to do it. Ultimately, I think people should, but they should just not be trying to figure this out on their own, ultimately. Yeah, and that's where a service, education, all of that comes into play. So sure. again, I completely see the opportunity, mm -hmm. but I also remember talking to you when you were pretty wishy-washy on like, are you going to commit to this business? Mm -hmm. Because you had this like really cushy, I mean, granted it was stressful, mm -hmm. but very successful tour business, mm -hmm. right? And you had a lot of other places you could have gone with it. I remember you were talking about a lot of different ideas. Yeah. And then I remember you came back to your house one day and you were so pumped because you saw like the light mm -hmm. at the end of the tunnel where yeah. maybe this could become a thing. Right. And then from there, I just haven't seen you since. 
because you've just been doing all your thing yeah, and, just, yeah. and just crushing. Yeah, it's been right? fun. Yeah. So kind of walk us through that because a lot of people probably have, I talk about desires versus knowings. Mm. And a desire is like, I want a G-Wagon. Mm. A knowing is like, I see something and I just feel like, Mm, that's yeah. a fit for me, but I, I can't really explain why. Yes. But I know it's a fit. And as an it's a perfect example because I have never had any desire to to teach anyone about travel. Like it's mm-hmm. just not a thing for me. But for you, it like lights you up and yeah. it's like exciting. And I'm like, yeah. got it. That's knowing. That's like a very I, I haven't met anyone else that's like that. So it's mm. just Eli. And so, and you're smiling even when I talk yeah. about it, right? So yeah, it's yeah. like this thing and, and you're, you enjoy this whole thing, which is great for the world because now we get to benefit yeah. from your obsession. <laughs> yes. So talk to me about the process of discovering that knowing or feeling like this could be a thing mm. and all the hurdles to make this a business yeah. and, and make this something you really could spend your time on. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, I mean, when I first started out, it was born out of like a mix of just curiosity, interest, and it wasn't necessarily the business side. I didn't start out of like, I wanna make a business out of this. It was like, I already had one business going, but we have partners, it's a totally different type of company. I saw these other people that I looked at and no offense to the other people out there, but I was like, this person's not a smart person and they're crushing it. I'm like, that's annoying. I'm like, I need to see what my skill set, like what I can do. Like, I wanna figure this out, like wh- what can I do on my own? And so that was part of the impetus initially, it was like, I wanna have a cool business. I want to see like how I can perform and just have a fun kind of challenge and almost like a project. And so that was a little bit of how it kind of started. And there was obviously a lot of like people asking me for stuff already. So I had a little bit of like market validation, so to speak. But um, the kind of uh, turning point that you're talking about was really trying to figure out like, what do I actually want big picture and lifestyle wise? And a lot of it honestly came down to this is stuff that you're, you're really um, excellent and have been supportive for me is like going through layers of emotions to figure out like what what is actually there beneath all that? Because a lot of times I was, you know, feeling like I had to do something because I felt guilty, right? I had to stay with something because it was out of guilt. And there's, and I'm, I, with the tour company that I have, for example, I am now still involved. I'm still an owner. I'm still an operator, but it's because I want to be there rather than feeling trapped by it. So I had to kind of unhinge that first so that I could even see the two paths clearly of like, where can I go? And then allowing myself to be like, what would it look like if I actually went for the thing that I feel like I just, like, kind of, like you said, I know is there. Right. And I, I kind of just felt this like pull of there's a skill set that you have. There's a ton of people that love it. You're providing amazing value. It fits your lifestyle exactly what you want. Financially, it checks all the boxes. And I was like, and I get to build a business in a way that I feel inspired to build. I get to create a brand in a way that I feel like is a representation of me. Like I want it to be fun. Like I'm goofing around when I'm, when I'm out there traveling. Like it's just so there's so many cool aspects of it to me. I was like, this is just fucking exciting, man. I was like, I just want to I want to do this. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of the the turning point, but it did take also some support. And that's one of the amazing things about Austin, like the network around here, been able to get so many insights and ideas from, you know, roommates and friends and peers and stuff like that, that have really like reflected back to me what's possible. I remember the first time I closed like a high ticket client, it was like, I felt like I like was doing something wrong. I was like, that was so easy. And I met this person two days ago and they just paid me like $7,500 today. And I had two calls with them. It was like two hours and there's going to, and I had a team that could deliver on it. And I'm like, there's only a little bit of work and we can do this and scale. I was just like, I was so used to work, like having to work hard, like really hard for, to, to earn income that it felt, I felt almost like I was like robbing someone or something. Even They're getting a ton of value. But I was just like, this isn't right. I was like, this isn't fair, but it was so exciting too. So it was a mix of captivation, like knowing what's possible, just feeling this like draw towards something. And, um, yeah, that those are way more important to me than like the money's a cool byproduct. Like it's of course everyone wants money, but it's definitely not like I'm doing this to get money because that's just not that motivating to me to be honest. Hmm. Okay, so technical question. Yeah. When you spend money, what cards do you use? Oh, which of the thirty-five credit cards? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know you have a, a card wallet. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's so a man let's purse, say, actually. It's a let's just say purse. from my perspective. Okay. And mm, yeah, my perspective because I'm pretty essentialist. I think I have like nine or ten, mm-hmm. and half of those are business cards. Yeah. And I try to optimize those cards to the best of my ability, but I I don't know much about that. Mm-hmm. I basically just occasionally asked you which one should I get, and then I just get that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good approach. Uh, that that part works well. Um, yeah, so it does depend. Like, there's a couple of different ways you want to look at that before you just make a decision on what to do. It's kind of like 
you know, depending on your body type and what your goals are, like what you're trying to train towards, like how should you exercise, right? Same, same type of thing. So, uh, but generally speaking, you want to be looking for cards that earn the most on the types of expenses that you have with the most valuable points. So the most valuable points, there's really four main transferable points currencies, which are Amex, Chase, Capital One, and City. And so you want to think about, okay, within those ecosystems, which cards align the best with my type of expenses? So you spend a lot on groceries and dining and travel. Okay, now you have some options to work with, right? So generally the Amex Gold is a great card for pretty much anybody. You're getting four points per dollar in groceries and dining, which is usually two pretty big expenses. Um, you've got the Platinum card and that's good for more if you actually travel a lot, it's a really high fee, but you get tons of perks and benefits with it. You get lounge access, you get all these credits, you get you know five X points when you book airfare, you get automatic gold status, you get Centurion lounges, you get upgrades, you get the fine hotels and resorts credit. Like there's a lot of perks that come with that, but it's actually not a great everyday card. It's a big mistake a lot of people make is they assume because it's a high fee that this card is a really good one to use on everyday purchases. It's actually it's actually not. Um, but those are two that I would definitely recommend. And then typically I really love Chase Points because there's some really cool stuff you can do with those. So Chase Sapphire Reserve is a great one too because it's going to be 3X on a lot of the key categories as well. So those are the, the top ones I normally say. But again, you have a business too, right? So you want to look at like, are you running ads? Because the Amex Business Gold or Chasing Preferred would be really good ones for that. So all different kind of strategies for different folks. Um, if you fly a ton, like a lot, like a couple times a month or like several times internationally and, and it's getting paid for by yourself or your company. Sometimes it might make sense to get a co-branded airline card, like an American card or, or Delta card or whatever. But typically you're actually better off not playing that game um, because the benefits that you get from status for like sticking loyal to one airline, if you don't travel a lot, typically aren't enough to warrant using that card versus something else. Right. So we can get into that, but that's, that's generally what I would do. And I also know with the Platinum Amex, you get access to things like Delta lounges if you're on a Delta flight anyways. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, huge perks. Huge exactly. perks. Okay, so Amex Gold, staple. Yep. Pretty much everybody, dining and groceries, that's your day-to-day. -day. It's Done. your daily driver. Yep. Yep. Chase Inc. Preferred is also potentially a daily driver. Uh, the Inc. Preferred's a business card. Okay. So Chase Sapphire Ch Reserve. Chase Sapphire Reserve yeah. is yeah. another daily driver. Yes. So those two are mm -hmm. the only ones I heard you say that could be daily drivers. Yeah. So there's a third one I'll throw in there, which is the Capital One Venture X. And the reason this is good is because, so let's say you've got, you got these purchases on travel and dining and groceries and maybe a couple other things that are what we call bonus categories, right? You're going to earn at least two, three, four, five points for every dollar you spend on those categories. But there's also purchases that you go to CVS, you buy something online, you go to an event, whatever. And maybe it's not a business expense, but it's not one of those categories. So there's cards that will earn two points per dollar on everything. So that's a Capital One Venture X is a good, what we call like baseline card. So if it's not a bonus category like that, that's what I use. I use the Venture X for, you know, you buy something random, you buy a new pair of uh, blue light blockers or, or shoes, whatever. Use one of those kind of cards and they'll at least earn you a higher base on your points too. Beautiful. Wow. That's super hacking. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So then business platinum is a card or if it's for your personal use is you only use it for travel. More or less. There are certain purchases to the business platinum. Also large transactions can be good because you get 1.5 points per dollar for anything over $5,000. So if you're paying a big vendor invoice, it depends on your business. If you do that, that can be good. Uh, but generally, yeah, purchases on travel are really the main thing because everything else is really going to be one X. So there's always going to be a card that earns at least 1.5 points per dollar. Um, or potentially two, three, four, five on certain categories. So you're just leaving money on the table typically with every purchase if you're using that card for other categories of purchases. Mm -hmm. Now, if like I use a lot of contractors in my business, mm -hmm. is there an ideal card if I'm able to use card to pay these people? Yeah, well, it's a card and it's more of a system, right? So depends on how they're invoicing you or how you're paying them. If you're getting invoices in Stripe or stuff like that, cool, just put on a card. But you can also use third-party merchant processors, like uh, there's one called Plastique, where it's basically, it's P-L-A-S-T-I-Q. And so what you do is I pay rent like this, I can pay team members, payroll, everything on a card, and basically you're gonna pay a 3% fee, 2.9%. But if you earn two points per dollar with a card like the Amex Blue Business Plus, and you can get two cents per point, you paid 3%, but you netted 4%, so you just saved 1% whatever you did. Now, the cool part is these points, if you use them well, getting two cents per point is like very basic. You can get 10 cents per point sometimes. So you might get two points per dollar, right? And 10 cents per point. So now you're earning 20% on the dollar spent and paying three. So you just save 17% on whatever you just bought. So that's where it's like, that's a pretty big number, especially if you're talking about a business where you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. So the answer is yes, there's a, a card to use for that, but you wanna be earning at least two points 
or sorry, at least 1.5 to two points per dollar on, on those contractor expenses, because that's, that's really the highest you're going to get. And you're still going to be paying a fee typically, unless they're eating the fee, depending on, on how they're billing you. And this plastique is a payment processor instead of something like a Stripe, instead of something like a PayPal that I would have them go through so that I can pay them that way. Yeah. So plastic, you're going to load them in as like a vendor on your end and they're going to get like a check or a wire transfer or whatever. So it's like, if they only take, if your landlord only takes ACH, you can pay via plastic for rent. Right. And then they're going to get the check they want. It's pretty, pretty And I'm dope. getting points on paying rent. You're getting points on paying rent. There's another car, a card called the built card B I L T and they earn points for rent too. That's not, I don't think it's accepted everywhere, but it's a different option. But yeah, if they're, um, you can use PayPal too. That's fine. PayPal works. Um, and just the same thing. You're, you're going to pay a fee or the recipient's going to pay a fee. But typically if it's contractor and you're paying them and you're choosing a card, you're like, you're going to incur the fee, not them. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful hack. Okay. So let's talk about this. What did you do once you had that first and second and third high ticket clients and you felt that, that guilt, what was your process of moving through that? Did you call friends? Like, did you talk to anyone? Did you journal? Did you just like ignore it? Like, what was that process? Yeah. Do well, you still feel it? Uh, not really anymore, but I'm trying to think back to what it was actually like in that moment because so much has shifted so fast. That's the crazy part with, with a business like this uh, and just a lot of areas of life where it's like, wow, you can really go through quite a bit of change very quickly. Um, yeah, asking friends for support was a massive one. Like Eric came over and did that session with us at, at uh, our house where he was like, talking about perspective and control and the vision. And I thought that was like mind blowing for me. So he's been a really big support uh, piece for me as well there. Um, but uh, I've definitely been more on like the calculated risk side when it comes to taking action forward, right? So I will typically uh, like have a vision for where I'm going, but I'm not the kind of person that's just gonna like, you know, just full send it with like send caution to the wind and go. And some people do that and it works out, but that's not really how I operate. So it was like, got the first high ticket client. I was like, holy shit, this is really cool. I want to more, do more of this. Like what's the next logical step? So for me, it's been a pretty logical progression in that sense, which has really meant building a team. So with that kind of stuff, I'm very much a um, messy action kind of person. I'll just like do the thing and figure that out later. But that's like kind of balancing that with the idea of calculated risk. I do that within like the micro, not the macro, right? So like hiring a new team member, sure, we'll do it. I don't know exactly what they're gonna do, but I know that you're talented. We got a lot of stuff changing. I'm gonna get you into the vision and we're gonna go and you're gonna be on this team and you're gonna be a part of this and we're gonna figure it out as we go. Are these contractors or full-time employees? Uh, they're contractors, yeah. And when you bring them on board, are you bring them on board at a certain amount of hours? Uh, most of them are just like per project or hourly um, for the most part. And then we have a couple people that do like percentage basis and then obviously there's commission too. And for all of these contractors, you're paying through plastic. Oh, hundred percent. Oh man. Yeah. That's just amazing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You got to earn points, man. You got to yep. earn points. So, but think about it. If you're paying a team member six K a month and you can save 20% on that, if you use your points really well, it's like, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. That's massive. Cause we're going to, you're going to pay it anyways as a business owner. So like getting the points, I mean, it's like, that's actually invaluable in a lot of ways. Cause you, you go and pay these contractors for a year and then you look at what you've accumulated through it and you're like, whoa right and so, so that's where it might make sense to play some of the status game too because like for me i fly out of austin a lot you got southwest don't really love um american tends to operate a decent amount out of here so i'm also earning points on american airlines and the way their status program is set up is you can earn status just through spending you don't even have to sit your butt in a seat right so now i could get to executive platinum status with american airlines this year just from paying payroll so what does that mean that means when i fly i'm getting more upgrades i'm getting free bags i'm gonna get all sorts of perks and benefits more lounges and like you know, free first class flights and stuff like that from earning status just from using that card. So beyond like earning and accumulating points, you could start to generate status. Now that is a better approach to getting some of these like perks and benefits and status than actually sticking to one airline in terms of flying all the time, just because it's, it's simpler and it's easier on your lifestyle, but there's a lot of ways to do that. And then also one of the cool parts is like, as you're doing this, you could think of it this way. You could pay team members that are really valuable or working hard for you. They're doing awesome stuff, generate points, and then use those points to give those team members a trip at the end of the year. Like it doesn't have to be just for you, right? So it's like the money you're already paying them, you could take the savings you're getting in, term, in terms of points and send them on a dream trip too. Like that's that's, that's one of the incredible. things that is uh, is really fun. Yeah. That's have you done that? Yeah, yeah, I've done that once. Oh, we're gonna be doing more of that too. But it's a, for our clients, some of our clients are spending a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a month. And they have more points than they know what to do with. And that's a huge thing that we recommend. Is like you're busy, you're traveling a few times a year, but like you're gonna have three million points at the end of the year. Like use some of these for some of your hardworking team members, investors, partners, family members, whoever it is, 
because the points just because they're yours doesn't mean you they only have to be used by skip kelly they can be used by anybody yeah so let's go into to travel destination things here what are the num top two for you in your experience like most mind-blowing destinations and hotels that you've been to okay so mind-blowing destinations i'm gonna go i was just there but the fjords in norway are insane insane like i remember like i literally and this is like not who i am generally i was literally looking at it like crying like this is so beautiful like this is insane and uh you you can do this thing called norway in a nutshell where you go basically from like bergen to oslo and they do a combination of trains and like they're kind of like touristic trains trains and uh fjord cruises you can stay overnight and like do all sorts of hikes and get like panoramic views but the magnitude of the fjords and like i also got a really really nice day which in norway can be hit or miss the weather's not always that great um but it was just like mind-blowing how massive these things are how beautiful they are and then i looked at the map and i was like we were on a three-hour boat ride going fast like we covered a lot of ground and i looked at how big norway was and i was like oh my god we're on like this much of norway and there's like this much of a country and it was this beautiful for this much time i'm like what else is here i'm like that and that's one of the things that always hits me with travels you go to these places it's the most cliche thing but it's like the more you go the more you realize you haven't seen shit you know i've been to 30 39 countries now and i feel like i'm like just getting started with a lot of these places like i need to go back to norway i need to go back to all these other spots so that's one of them japan's another one too um that is just like you know there's a lot of cons to the way that japanese society works for sure in a lot of ways but there are also some amazing pieces of their culture like the efficiency and how it operates the safety the quality of the food like every blade of grass is like in the right spot you, you've been to japan mm -hmm. yeah like that is a mind blower to me um and what i love about japan too is a lot of countries even like you go like thailand right like southeast asia it's very much geared towards western travelers so you can come in they're like hey welcome buy my tour thing right english they're marketing in english like it's designed for tourists in Japan, it's like you're in Japan, like things are our way and Japanese way. And like you can be a part of it or like you're not going to figure it out. But I like that, too. It's like they're not like modifying their culture to westernize it for for um, yeah for Western tourists. So I think that's a really cool piece. You really get to feel like the actual culture, in my opinion. Um, so that's some cool ones. Now, in terms of hotels, oof. I mean, dude, there's so many good ones. I haven't done a lot of the epic bucket list points hotels yet, like uh, Tommy, who's I'm a partner for the the points consulting business. He was just in the Maldives and like these overwater villas. And those are those are bonkers, right? I mean, those are insane. But the nicest one was actually, was actually I was just in Sardinia and uh, I have Hyatt Globalist status, which is their top tier status. So I got upgraded, but <clears throat> we were in like a really epic, like two room hotel with a pool view looking at the water in this like Italian island. So 3,000 3, euro a night room entirely on points. And uh, that was like, that was a top tier experience for sure. So that that was awesome. We I mean, have stayed in a few Waldorf. The Waldorf in Cabo, San Lucas, really nice. Um, yeah, there's so many. I'm, but part of it isn't just the property. It's like, are if you go to a really nice property and you're in an average room, that's one thing. But like the nice rooms at the nice properties, those are like where it's like, this is insane that this exists, right? That's the stuff where it's like a mind blower to me. Yeah. What are the best? Uh, so you mentioned that United Airlines is like a, or American Airlines is like a really good one, especially for Austin. And of mm. course, it's like city to city is different. Sure. What are the best hotel chains globally? Like if I'm an international traveler, yeah. which, what are the ones that I should lean into? Yeah. And like you said, you're high at globalist. Is there yeah. similar hacks like card spend to be able to get to that globalist status? Sure. So the short answer is yes on the card status, but it depends. It depends on the program. So there's really three. I'll give you four, but really three. So there's IHG, Marriott, Hilton, and Hyatt are the four main ones. I'm going to take IHG off just because their program is not as good. Their hotels aren't as great. Now, the reason you might want to pick one of these three, and I'll kind of explain why you might want to pick uh, each one. It's different based on the person. Hilton is going to be the easiest to get top tier status. They have a card called the Hilton Aspire. You get top tier diamond status just from having the card. It's the only card in any hotel or airline program where just by having it, you get the highest possible status. So that means more upgrades, free breakfast, you earn more points when you spend there, you get the Wi-Fi, early check-in, late checkout, all that stuff. But they also have the least valuable points program. So you might go to redeem a hotel night and it's like 150,000 points when the same type of hotel might only cost 60,000 with Marriott. So that's that's uh, Hilton. Now Marriott has the most hotels out of all of them. So the largest hotel footprint. So if you're a global traveler, Marriott's probably the one that I would be going with. Um, you get decent value on your points, but you get so many options to use the points like that's the and that's the problem with the third option which is hyatt 
which is that they have the best rewards program by far the easiest value to get out of points like bar none is really easy a really good status program but they have the least properties so it's a little bit harder to consistently get value especially overseas in some parts of the world it's like you may not have that many options um so i would probably lean most into marriott uh but it's, it's definitely the most popular as well so that you're you're dealing with you know the, the least amount of upgrades and stuff like that because there's so many other people with marriott status so it's kind of this competition as well okay so it sounds like you'd want to pick up the hilton card if if the fee is not a huge deal for you mm -hmm. just so that if you ever do need to book a hilton you're immediately in top status do you have that one in your in your wallet? I actually don't yet. I actually got banned from Hilton for a year. I'm back though. What? I'm back. Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> so what happened? So there's all these rules with points and miles, right? And so I had uh, a buddy of mine and um, he basically, we were doing a swap of, of um, just like trading something. And basically he was like, hey, instead of money, can I pay you in points? And I was like, how many points do you have? He told me, and I'm like, sure. You know, like I know the rules with points. There's an amount that you can pool and combine with each program before you violate their policies. I'm like, have you sent any other points? He's like, no. I'm like, cool. I haven't received any. We're good. So what he did is instead he didn't actually send them to me directly from his account. He went on to some like Telegram group, bought them from someone who was selling them at a discount. So that person sent them to me. And in Hilton's internal system, that person was violating a bunch of rules. So they shut down all the accounts connected to them for violating that. But like it was a true accident, right? So like that, I didn't actually do anything wrong, but I got caught in the crosshairs by accident. So uh, so points nerds problem. <laughs> everyone has their scars. We literally all have battle scars. It's so funny. You go to like a points conference and like people are talking to be like, oh, what do you think about this program? You'd be like, oh, it was good until I got I got blacklisted two years ago. But like <laughs> usually that's only if you're really trying to push something or you get caught up in some weird situation like me. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter that much. Um, I did get it back. It just took a while. But uh, so I'm going to get that card soon because of what you just mentioned. It's a great one. The annual fee, I think, is 450 but you get really easy value. You get uh, a $200 hotel credit. You get a free night. You get a great bonus. You get all the perks of the status. Um, and then you get like an airline credit, too. So if you use the perks, you're going to be making, you know, like a thousand bucks off of the credits if you use them well and then pay the 450 fee every year. So you're making another 550 and then plus you get all the ability to travel and use the Sounds like a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a great one. Got it. Okay, mm -hmm. and then... Hyatt would be the best for status is amazing for it. And your points redeemable value is incredible. Yes. And then Marriott's the most accessible. Most accessible. Exactly. Got it. Cool. So mm -hmm. I would just all three. Basically. Porque no yeah. <laughs> sí, porque no. Um, yeah, I, I typically, the high, the Hilton one's so easy. You check that off. You got one card. Boom. You're, you're rocking and rolling. I would probably try to pick between Marriott and Hyatt only because you're probably, if you don't lean into one, you're probably only gonna get part of the way up the status ladder, which means not much. Status is really only that good if you're getting like this top or second to top tier. Mm -hmm. That's when the benefits actually start to be legit. Like if you so, have Marriott Gold, like it's really rare that you're getting like a good room upgrade. Mm -hmm. You might get like water when you check in and like you get an extra hour of checkout, that's cool. Do but, both of those have like a card spend that will get you to that status without needing to stay a bunch of nights? Hyatt does. Uh, Marriott does not. Marriott, you have to you have to stay. But they have some cool hacks. So with Marriott, for example, they just came out with a new card um, or they just revamped their, their Amex personal card. Basically, the way that it works, you have to hit certain elite night credits. So for example, to get platinum status there, you have to have 50 elite nights. But you can get a personal card that gives you 15 off the bat and then a business card, or sorry, the other personal card that gets you 25. So now you're at 40. So you only stay 10 nights and you get platinum. So that makes sense but you just want to have that strategy lined up so that you aren't like going in with no status or no elite nights at all you spent you stay there 20 nights you spent all this money and you're not really getting any benefits you want to at least set yourself up to win but you can't just like purely spend your way there in the same regard as um as hyatt you can you can do that okay so then it sounds like lean into marriott for your stays because they're the most accessible mm -hmm. and then hyatt if you have a business you can just put some expenses on that card and buy your status Pretty much. You'll, you'll hit your status there eventually. Yeah. But I would just, I would also, one of the things that can happen is you can start to get like a little diluted and then all of a sudden you have a lot of status with Hyatt, but like you also now feel like you need to stay at Marriott and you're like, ah, oh, what do I pick? Right. Good problem to have. Mm -hmm. But, uh, that's why I say typically like try to focus on one of them and maybe the next year try out the next one. Like you can change your strategy and stuff. Yeah. The Hilton one's the easy one. to in places it. where Hyatt's are all over and you regularly go to these destinations, yeah. then maybe lean in on Hyatt. Totally. And if you're going to places that don't have Hyatt's. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like South America, not very good for Hyatt. In Europe, they have uh, a partnership with a group called SLH, Small Luxury Hotels. So it's like all these really nice boutique hotels that you can book with Hyatt points. And that's like, you can get some bonkers value on that if they're available. 
Um, so it does, it just does really depend on where you're going to. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about underwhelming travel destinations. Houston, Texas. <laughs> I mean, I mean, of course, <laughs> what outside, what's outside of that? Like, uh, destinations that people talk about that when you go there or when your clients go there, the reviews are generally like meh hmm. or That's... places that were really hyped that you went to and you were like, it was okay. Yeah. Let me think about that one. Cause I mean, you know, it's really difficult because it, it really is also like travels a lot about like, what are you going to make of the experience? So you can truly find like something epic in every place. Uh, it's a little bit of a cop-out answer, but hmm, you know, I really did not like Dubai that much. Hmm. Dubai is like big and flashy, but to me it was just like, I don't know. It was maybe because I came off a 15 hour flight where we drank like an insane amount of champagne and I was just not feeling, <laughs> feeling great. So the, the lens I was looking through might've been a little tainted, but, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was pretty underwhelmed with how I felt there. Like I, the magnitude of it was like epic and crazy, but to me, I was just like, I don't really feel like I want to spend any time here. So that was definitely one of them. Um, Ooh, I have an additional question. If I were to go to Eli the Travel Guy and I were to say I'm going to book a 30 day trip around the world, mm -hmm. and I want this to be completely ridiculous, like the most jaw-dropping experience possible yeah. for like me and like a significant other mm -hmm. what hotels what airlines and what destinations if you just start rattling it we mm. start from austin okay where do we go from here we have 30 days and we and and also you can throw it in when it when it comes up naturally for you but which points would i ideally use and where would i transfer them to get those yeah. stays okay yeah. so that's a 30 great question. days so 30 days so, so it starts november 1st okay all right what does this look so like so you gotta have a shit ton of points first okay what types of points would be ideal uh really amex and chase would be the best two to start with and then probably a lot of marriott points too okay amex yeah. chase marriott yeah i have and all those sweet you, boom so there's actually a program with ana called the round the world program where basically it's it's bonkers. I forget the exact numbers. I have to refresh myself because the rules on it are very specific. ANA is American Airlines. No, it's uh, on the phone. It's uh, Japanese airline. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, ANA. ANA yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's part of the Star Alliance, so you can use any Star Alliance carrier for this. But basically, what you do is, as long as you're going in the same direction, it's kind of like rugby where you can't, you know, you can't pass forwards. It's like the opposite. You have to be moving forwards. As long as you do that, you can use a flat rate of points they have and you can basically just book a ton of really high-end uh business first class flights and do around the world trip so basically you have to part you have to do it through a and a you have to find all the availability of these business of first class flights with airlines that are in that alliance and then you could basically go from austin to la la to tokyo tokyo to uh to thailand thailand to india india to dubai i think something like that or you go down to australia but that's what i would be thinking about first okay if i were to do that and go straight bonkers baller status um, so I forget how many, I think it's around like, it's a couple hundred thousand points. I'll have to, I'd have to check. So yeah, a couple hundred thousand set aside for that. It's that's it. It's very good value. A couple hundred thousand points for business in first class. Yeah. There's, there's a really good deal for that. I have to get the specifics on it again, mm -hmm. but like that's basically. And optional. what points in ANA? ANA. Yeah. Which and you can, can transfer from, Amex. From, yeah. from Amex. Yeah. Okay. So is it one-to-one? -one? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. if I have 200,000 Amex points, I can get one person. I, I think so. Yeah. I want to be specific ish. on the rules. Cause like a lot of these things are really like nuanced and there's probably some people who know the points game and they'll be like, that's not how it works, but it's more or less like that. Just we'll, we'll look into it maybe after and, and check it out. But that's what we're thinking about now flights. What type of flights would I be doing? So there, there's domestic first class and all this stuff, which in the U S right, you get on a flight and you're like, I'm flying first class and you get on and it's a, a two cabin plane with a bunch of recliner chairs and the economy. Right. And it's like, that doesn't look that cool. And then you have, uh, U.S. carriers that fly international first class products, right? You get Delta One, you get American Airlines first class, you get United Polaris, and those are great. But the real dope shit is the international first class uh, cabins. These are the ones where you get like entire suites and rooms to yourself. You get a bar, you get a shower, you get like insane service the whole way through. So one of the best ones I would fly is I would definitely try to get on Singapore suites. They actually fly from L.A. to Tokyo. I flew this over. They do a what's called a fifth freedom route as well where it's when an airline flies from two of their non-home countries. So um, uh, Singapore does this from JFK to Frankfurt. So I flew that on the way over to Europe and it's insane. You have an entire, it's like literally, your cabin is literally the size of this room pretty much. You get a separate bed and chair, unbelievable food, like like as much as you want, whenever you want. The service is just impeccable. It's just, a, it's like an experience that you should really just indulge with one time and just like 
see what is what's available. So that's one I would try to do for sure. I would definitely hit another flight on uh, that wouldn't be part of the Star Alliance. Emirates isn't a part of any airline alliance, so you can't use that. You could still continue the round the world trip. You might just book that as a separate segment. But I would definitely hit an Emirates first class flight on the A380. Um, that is my favorite experience by far. It has a shower on it and a bar, right? So you can go back there, hang out with like other passengers that are hanging out in business first class. The shower is only for the first class cabin, um, but it's it's such a cool experience to shower at 35,000 feet. And, uh, you know, I know you don't really partake in too much Dom Perignon, but they do have Dom P, you know, caviar, like unbelievable food. Literally when I got into the seat, they were like, welcome, Mr. Facenda. It's like the plane has been taken off. Can we bring you any Dom Perignon? I'm like, yes, please. Absolutely. I'm like, by the way, here's our like six page menu. It's whatever you want, whenever you want. So there's no meal service. You just tell us what you want anytime during the flight and we'll bring it to you. And I'm like, beef short rib? And they're like, yeah, I'll be here in like 10 minutes. I'm like, this is heaven. I'm like, That's don't incredible. land the plane. Eli's like doing push-ups so you can eat <laughs> yeah, more. <laughs> yeah, I did do push So I was on Qatar Airways first class and I was the only person in the first class cabin. This was like August as well. And I was just shooting some fun content. I was dressed in Elvis. And then I had the flight attendant. She was just walking around like filming me because she's like, no one else is here. So I'm basically hanging out with you the whole day. And I'm like doing push-ups in the Elvis <laughs> in the Elvis costume. So I actually have have done that. Um, so what else on that trip? I would definitely be going to the Maldives um, for sure. So you could go. Okay. So we've got uh, Austin to LAX, LAX to Frankfurt. Or LAX would be to Tokyo. Yeah, LAX, going that oh, way. LAX to Tokyo. Yep, yep. And then Tokyo to... I'll probably go... I mean, it depends on what you want to do, obviously, right? You could go down to New Zealand, like we were talking about, or Australia. I haven't been to New Zealand. Here, it's dope. Um, you could continue into Southeast Asia, Thailand, stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many options there. It's really hard to hard to say. I think from an experiential standpoint, if you wanted to get some really cool stuff on the hotel side, Thailand has some really baller resorts and hotels too. Like some of these, the W in Thailand, for example, it's a Marriott property. Which city? Amazing. Um, I think it's in, it's one of the islands. I think it's Koh Samui. Okay. Um, I believe. Yeah, but there's some really good ones there. And again, maybe you get status, you get upgrades. And that's the kind of stuff where you're like in the W in Thailand. And the W is Marriott. W is Marriott. Yeah. It was cool. formerly Starwood. Yeah. And they got acquired. Um, but yeah, you're down there and like, that's where if you get like an upgrade, you get into a room that is like bonkers, right? Tommy, who I was just mentioning earlier, he was in Seychelles. He's got Hilton status. <clears throat> he got upgraded in this amazing um, Hilton property. I think it's it's called the, the Breeze is what it's called. And it was like a two-story house with an entire separate building in your own private pool, like legit pool in front of the ocean. It was like a whole compound house for like four nights. It was like $4,000 a night all on point. So that's the stuff where like, if I'm going to use the status benefits, I'm going to try and play it for those types of stays. So I'll be going there. You definitely got to go to the Maldives or Bora Bora. If you're going to do like an epic trip and do some of these overwater villa experiences, whether it's, um, you know, some of the really popular ones, you can get like the Ritz, St. Regis, uh, the Waldorf Astoria. You the can... Ritz and St. Regis are both Marriott. Both Marriott. Yep. And then the Waldorf is Hilton. Hilton. Yeah. So if I just have the fancy card, the Waldorf could potentially upgrade me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the trick with those is finding the availability um, because it's not necessarily about like the points cost. Like hotels are a lot simpler to find availability and use points for because it's just like the points calendar is a points calendar and you can find it. Flights are a little more complicated, but that's just about finding availability. Um, and then you've got, uh, yeah, the Park Hyatt is a really good one. So there's one in the Maldives there too, which is really nice. And that's one where you can get some killer value. Um, so I'd be hitting all of those. I would probably fly through Dubai, do a night or two there. And then go from Dubai over to probably go somewhere into Europe then from there. Most likely go to like maybe Paris or somewhere in Italy that's really cool. I mean, I love Croatia. There's so many options in Europe, obviously. Um, Barcelona's dope. There's a really cool W hotel there. Um, it's the one right on the ocean. Yeah, right. Mediterranean. Exactly. It kind of looks like... Um, it's like the sale in downtown Austin. Yes. It looks similar. Yeah, similar similar setup. And there's a building actually in Dubai that it's kind of looks similar to. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's like a really famous building there. But um, Barcelona would be a good option. Uh, there's a really nice uh, Hyatt property in Paris that's like one of the best values for like a city center experience. Uh, it's, I think it's called the Venedrome, but it's one of these where normally like value on points, right? You can typically get like one to 1 1.5 cents per point. With this one, you're commonly getting like five, six, seven cents per point. So it's basically, if you think of it in terms of number of nights, instead of getting one night, you could be getting six to seven on that value. So that's another good one in Paris. Um, you know, amazing options there. And then I'll probably hit Lufthansa first class 
from Frankfurt back to the States and you get a really cool experience when you fly Lufthansa first class out of Frankfurt. They have their own first class terminal, so it's private security, massive lounge, and then you get driven on a tarmac in a Porsche from the lounge to the plane. So I did that in May and that was sick too. Okay, that's definitely on the list. Yeah, that was a, that's a cool experience. Incredible, yeah. only out of Frankfurt. Only out of Frankfurt. Incredible. Yep. yep. Okay, that's that's definitely happening. Yeah. Lufthansa, uh, how do I get, what, what points do I need for that? So that's an interesting one because with Lufthansa, um, Basically, the way they open up, each airline's different. That's what I was saying. It's a little more confusing than hotels. Airlines have different availability when they open up certain classes. So Lufthansa First Class doesn't open up to other airline points programs. They're partners in the Star Alliance until two weeks before. So you kind of have to be last minute with that. So that's the tricky part. You could book business class easily, but first class, you have to wait until about two weeks before. And if it opens on your date, you can snag it, which it commonly does. So what does that mean? That means you need to look at what are these partner airlines that you can convert points into that you could use, right? Assuming you're not using this round the world trip uh, situation. So Avianca and Air Canada tend to be the two best. Those are both convertible from American Express as well. Um, and so the, yeah, the thing is like Lufthansa uh, smiles and miles or miles and smiles, something like that. Miles and more. That's what it is. Uh, their rewards program, you can't convert any bank points into their program. So that's why you have to go to their partners. So you would go to like Avianca, convert Amex points there to book a Lufthansa ticket when it opens. So you kind of have to have a backup plan in case that seat doesn't happen. So that's a little bit of the the, the trick of the trade, so to speak, some of these kind of uh, deeper nuances. Air France is the same thing. You can't book Air France first class with miles. You have to basically book into business class and then hopefully there's a seat available. You can pay for a cash upgrade, but that's one of the nicest first class experiences. They can fly in or out of Europe, but that's like you're still probably in most cases paying at least one to two grand on top of the points you use to get business class. Got it. So nuances to each airline. Mm. Why do you do this? Why do I do this? What, what got you? What, like, where did this path begin? Did you travel a lot as a kid or like what? Yeah. Where's the inspiration come from? Yeah. So, well, I first got into it because when I started doing, um, I started working at MVP, which is the tour company. I was the first employee and I was not making much at all side hustling five jobs. I had this vision. I was like, dude, I was coming out of college and I was like, fuck anything that has, to... my literal rule was if I can't work in a cutoff sleeveless shirt, I don't want it. That was my rule. So I'm a finance degree coming out of Lehigh. All my friends are going to wall street, making 150 K their first year. I'm making like a fraction of that literally. Uh, but the opportunity was sports, travel, your own schedule, your own lifestyle, build something. And I was like, I want to get equity in this thing. I'd read the book linchpin by Seth Godin. It's basically like make yourself irreplaceable. So I'm like, add value, add value, add value. Where do I, where do I add value? And I'm like, oh, we're spending a lot on travel points. Let me learn about this. And then I was like, oh shit, I don't make any money. I want to travel. I can use points. So that's how it started. And dude, it's just like when you have an experience where you're getting, you're, you're 23 years old, you're not making much money and you get on a six to $7,000 business or first class ticket. And you're sitting next to like CEOs and millionaires and you paid $6 for it and they paid cash for it. And you just, you just feel like you just gamed life. Like you're just like, I just did something that no one else can do. Like that was cool. And it was an experience I would never normally have gotten. So that feeling, I don't even know really how to describe it, but it's just like so exciting to be able to like hack something and create a situation that is actually just like really freaking cool. Um, so that's kind of the essence of it. And like, you'll meet all these other, if you get into this subculture community of like points and miles, everyone has the same thing where it's like, you're just in it for the game, man. It's just a fun game. And to be able to share it with people is really cool. So I, people ask, like, I think there's a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space where they're like, what's your passion? Find your passion. And I think the idea of like searching so intensely for your passion oftentimes keeps you from finding it. And so it's like, I don't know, dude, I just get fucking excited to talk about it. And that's enough. Like, that's it. That's, that's the answer. So, um, yeah, that's why I like it. Incredible. Incredible. What are the next things on your bucket list personally? Oof. I got a lot, a lot of good ones. Um, and I want to, I want to point out that even your answer right there is already like, I've traveled a lot. And when people ask me like my bucket list, I'm like, it's actually gotten longer as I've traveled. Totally. More. I'm presuming it's yeah, the same. Totally. Cause you, you're like, Oh, what was over that next country or that yeah. next city? Right. It's kind of like you're doing, you know, like you go tour college before you go, you know, go there for four years. It's kind of like that. A lot of trips. It's like, you're there for three days. You see it and you're like, well, I got to come back, you know? And then there's, who do you come back with? Like, what are you doing on the trip? Like, how are you doing it? What's the purpose of it? Like I've been to Spain like 10 times, but I've never done El Camino where you do the walk. And like, I talked to this guy this summer who's on one of our trips for MVP and he was explaining it to me. And I was like, 
dude, that's like a totally different way to see Spain that I got to do that now. Like I, that wasn't even on my radar before. Now it is. I'm getting more into surfing. Now there's all these spots where I'm like, oh, I want to go there and do like a surf week where it's just like surfing in that area and like diving into that. So, um, but a few big ones. So I've never done anything in South America, actually. I've been saving that. I want to do like a three month trip at some point where it's like just going and like going and really immersing. And even three months is hardly enough time to do a couple countries if you really want to do them proper. So South America as a whole, we'll kind of put that on, on its side. I need to do New Zealand and like Australia big time. New Zealand's probably my number one right now. Um, I really want to go back to Africa and do like a full safari for sure. That's a big one. Um, and then Iceland would be up there as well as, yeah, I've never done Bali either. Um, and everyone, everyone hypes Bali up. So kind of want to go see that. But uh, those are, those are probably the top ones right now. I pretty much have done almost every single major country in Europe, major ones. I haven't been like Estonia, like you were in. So there's some small bucket one, like small ones that I want to do, but they're not like bucket list epic things. The other ones are more like game changers for me. Hmm. What's your vision for all of this? Is it, are you in it right now where you're like, I'm just really enjoying my life? Is there something bigger on the horizon that you, you can see? Hmm. Yeah, there's, it's a mix of both. Um, I am just enjoying it a lot. And I feel like continuing to just follow that is the biggest vision for me at all. And I, I've done a lot of thinking around this actually lately where it's like, what do I want in like three years and five years? And I'm like, I don't know. I just want to enjoy the fuck out of life and have a lot of fun and like help people and impact it, impact others and, and, you know, create something really cool while doing it. To me, that's like, I don't really like the idea of like making X money or having a company to a certain size. It's just very stale for me. Um, the idea of like, I just want to do the thing that lights me up the most. Um, obviously you have to be logical about that too. And like, you can't just pivot your ideas every six months. But, um, for me, it's mostly just following that, but I do really feel, uh, yeah, inspired to get people to travel more, to lean more into advent, to introduce adventure into their life more. Cause I think there's the idea of like going on an adventure. And then there's an idea of like the experience of adventure and how it feels for you. And then when you take that back into your life and you're like, I'm an adventurous person, that's different than like, I just went on an adventurous trip. And so I think having people experience those types of moments while they're traveling and like shifting their identity a little bit, they come back, they see life differently. It's just travel is just a helpful thing for anybody. Pretty much always. Like I very rarely been on a trip and be like, I wish I didn't do that. I almost always come back and I'm like, that was amazing. And so I just love how helping other people be able to do that too. I think it's a great thing. Yeah. So incredible. Yeah. General vision. Yeah. Incredible. When people fall in love with you, and when they want to learn more about you and when they want to obsess over all of this information and dig in, where do they go? How do they digitally stalk you? Uh, so Instagram is the main place. So it's just Eli travel guy. And, uh, that is a pun on Bill Nye, the science guy did that on purpose. So hopefully that's in your head forever now. Um, Eli travel guys main spot. We do have a website freedom travel systems.com, but pretty much Instagram is the main one. Um, LinkedIn as well. I don't really do much on Facebook, but pretty much Instagram is gonna be the place. In the summers, when I go to Mindvalley University, I teach a content class. Um, I teach essentially content creation, and next year we'll be distribution for CEOs, like from a CEO's perspective. And I know earlier this year, you started playing around a lot with content creation mm -hmm. and testing different things to see how it would work, and then some things popped big time. Mm -hmm. What was your process there? Well, the process was, uh, and credit to Kyle, um, who gave me like a just a, a pretty simple framework to, to look at of like, Hey, what, like what type of content should you be putting out and what, what cadence? And it was just a lot of testing. Honestly, it was like, find, you know, I wanted to put out four to five reels a week for uh, for a certain period. And it was pretty much like find an audio that I think matches well with a visual and put a caption in there. That's like short and compelling and just play around with those three, see what happens. And a couple of them just like popped. And the, the disappointing thing is like, you're a creator, you can put effort and passion and love into something. And it's like six people see it. And then you do something dumb and it's like 25 million people see it. And that's just how the algorithms and the nature of the internet works, I guess, right now in today's world. But, uh, but that was kind of the testing ground. But the key for me was like, at least my thought process is like, some of these are going to get a lot of reach and they're going to provide very little value, but there's going to be a percentage of those people that are going to then click on and be like, what is this about? And then they're going to come to other reels and posts that are going to be like value bombs. Right. And travel hacking and credit, there's a lot of very tangible, small things you can just like package into a 30 second video. So I want to have a mix because, um, 
part of it is like showing what's possible, having fun with it. And then part of it's like, how do you actually do it? You know, there's a lot of kind of smoke and mirrors on, especially in credit, it can be very shady as like an industry. So, uh, so I wanted to make sure to provide both and like actually show people the day to day. Here's how we're doing this. Here's how it works. Here's what it can look like. Yeah. Simple, tons of value. Is there anything like kind of on your chest, on your heart, on your mind that you'd like to share? Hmm. You know, it's just what I was talking about before. It's like travel is one of those things that's really easy to do and it's super easy not to do. So in my opinion, it's like if you feel like you should take the trip, take the damn trip. Like you're not going to be, I may be wrong. I don't think you're going to be 95 years old or 175 like Dave Asprey on your deathbed looking back and being like, oh, I shouldn't have gone to Costa Rica with my friends. You're going to be like, that was epic. And like, you can make money later. Like you can do all those things. You get an opportunity to do something epic, like do it. So that's it. Incredible. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You got man. it, brother. It's a blast. So dude. much value. I'm going to have to re-listen to so many of those little bite-sized clips, but I got the bullet points. Hilton card, Marriott for me mm-hmm. was where I go yep. in the stays. And then the around the world trip through ANA yeah. is definitely happening. I have to experience Lufthansa first class with the Porsche and the private, all Frankfurt, of that, yep. right up, up into the tarmac, right out of Frankfurt. And then Singapore the, suites, you got to do it. Singapore suites, uh, park Hyatt in the Maldives. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got all these like little nice. notes yeah. that I'm taking in my yeah, head. Yeah. Well, I'll send you this. We have a, you're familiar with Airtable. Yes. So we have a whole database of every nice first class route you can fly where and to and from, as well as every nice, uh, five, you know, five star basically resort luxury property around the world too. So I'll give that to you. You can look at all the overwater villa options, what points programs they're with, what they look like, where they are. And uh, yeah, you can check those out. It's a fun thing to play with. Is that public? No. Okay. So that's just internal. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry guys. Is there any public resource you have with this information? Um, not on my end. I mean, most of it's going to be on Instagram, but there's, I mean, there's so many good blogs. Like you were saying, it's just like, you're going to spend a lot of time if you go down the rabbit hole, but you could search, search things one off too. You get a lot of value. Um, upgraded points really good. They're actually, uh, the founder of that space in Austin as well. One mile at a time, frequent miler, the points guy, those are the big four typically. And then there's other social media accounts that are really good. Max miles points, travel like Tommy. There's, there's a bunch, but, um, those would be the ones that I would follow if you want to see some cool stuff. Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. You got it, brother.